All right, church, as we continue in our worship, uh, I hope that you understand that as we prayed for brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, that that we were praying for them as we'd pray for us. And as we sang that song, we are, we're singing for them, if you will, as we are for us. Because I recognize this morning that though you and I are not facing what they are facing, likely you have some challenges in your life. And so it is a, it's a good defining moment for us to declare, we believe that Christ is enough, and therefore, what are we going to do? We're going to walk with him. Those two go together, friends. If he's not enough, then let's not try and walk with him. That's a hopeless case. But if he is enough, then whether we're facing what you are facing in your life right now or facing the extreme of what they are facing. He's enough in life. He's enough in death. He's enough in hardship. He's enough in difficulty. It is really where we are in Ephesians 4 that we are saying we're going to walk with Jesus. And that walk has a very specific look to it that's going to be unfolded in Ephesians 4 or 5. But I don't want us to miss, again, that that walk is rooted in our calling. This whole section in Ephesians 4 and 5 begins with, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, I am imploring you, I'm begging you to walk now in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Therefore, in verse One of this chapter is, therefore, because of everything I've said in the first three chapters, because you are one who is alive from the dead, you are one who is blessed abundantly, you are one who is loved perfectly, strengthened supernaturally, and you're made a minister of God. Because that's who you are, walk in this way. What way? Well, First six verses, walk in this way, in unity out of humility. Walk in unity as a body out of humility. Walk in unity in your home out of humility. Walk in unity in your marriage out of humility. Walk in every one of your relationships in unity out of a heart of humility. That's consistent unity in the body of Christ, in Christian marriage, in Christian home. Unity is worthy of how we've been called. So that's first. But now here's what comes next. Verse seven, you open there to Ephesians four, verse seven. Now, before I read, I'm going to do something that that I want to warn you. I'm going to skip three verses. This time, but later in the message, I'll come back and address these. There's three verses here. We're going to read seven through 12, eight, nine, and 10. He quotes an Old Testament passage that when you read it, you're like ascended, descended. What the world's he talking about? So we're not going to skip it. You know, we don't do that. When we go through a book, we do with all the verses, but I want to read it without that section because the section in the middle gets us lost. So I'll come back, I promise, I'll come back. If I don't, raise your hand and go, you said you were coming back, and that'll help me remember. So I'm gonna read verse seven, and then we're gonna jump to 11 and 12. But to each one of us, now this is the second way in which we're to walk in light of our calling. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Skip eight, nine, 10, we'll come back, 11, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So this is not complicated at all. He is saying, what's the first Indicator of a walk that's worthy of our calling, unity out of humility. 
What's the second indicator of a walk that's worthy of his calling? It's this. He's saying, as one who is, what? Alive from the dead, one who is blessed abundantly, one who's loved perfectly and strengthened supernaturally and made a minister of God, what ought you to? What did it say? You ought to serve the body of Christ. Okay, now watch. Look up here for a moment for you. Is this you in white? So, uh, well, not all of us, but if we're, if we're born again, if we're in Christ, that's us in white. If you are that, then do that. That's all he's saying. If you're born again, if you're alive from the dead, love perfectly, strengthened supernaturally, and you're a minister, then serve the body. Though we are one body, that's verses one through six, we're one. One body, one spirit, one God, one faith, one hope. We're one. Though we're one, each one has been uniquely gifted, he's saying, according to God's choosing. So our serving the body is an overflow of the fact that you and I are uniquely gifted. Each one of us has at least one gift but no one has every gift. Sometimes I'm asked, does, some, does anybody have every gift? And the answer is very easy, no. Because look at it in verse 11. What word tells you that, not, that no one has every gift? Yeah, because it uses it four times. Some get this. Well, if only some get that, what's that mean? Not everyone. So some are apostles, but not all are apostles. Some are teachers, but not all are teachers. So everybody has at least one gift, but no one has every gift. Pretty simple. Now, let me step out of Ephesians 4 for a moment. As we think about spiritual gifts, here's what was really helpful for me. It was here as a member of this congregation before I came on staff that I learned a lot about spiritual gifts. I learned that when you look for spiritual gift teaching in the New Testament, there's four places to go. Two twelves, two fours. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, here in Ephesians 4, and in 1 Peter 4. So we're not gonna take time to go through every one of those passages, but each one of those speak about this whole idea of this. You have been gifted by God for serving the body, if you are in Christ. What gets interesting is when you go to Romans 12 and you look at the gifts listed there, you get seven gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy. Do you see yourself in any of those? If not, go to 1 Corinthians 12, and there's 14 gifts listed there. Some of the same ones listed in Romans 12, but then some new ones. Do you see yourself listed here? If not, then you might go to Ephesians 4, where there's a shorter list. Some of the ones repeated in both the previous passages and then a new one. Do you see yourself here? You might go, oh, no, I'm not here. I need a longer list. And then 1 Peter 4 breaks it down. It doesn't name any gifts. It just gives two big buckets. Serving and speaking. Can you put yourself in one of those buckets? Now, here, let me share something that's been super helpful to me. Uh, most of my growing up teaching had been, here are the lists, take the four Here's the list of gifts. Find yourself. But I don't think that's at all what the New Testament is doing. Why are there four lists and none of them are the same? For this simple reason. There is not a list of lists that says, here are the gifts. These are all of them. There are no more. You have to find yourself right here. Why? 
Because the point is not, there are only limited gifts. It's how has God uniquely made you, uniquely made me, for the sake of then building up of the body. So uh, over here in South, there was a man named Matt standing here leading us playing his guitar and singing. Is he gifted in that way? Yes. If I tried it, you would go, wow, he is gifted. (laughs) He's extra gifted. But where is guitar playing in the list? Oh, guess that's not a spiritual gift. So what Matt was doing, it doesn't count as serving the body. Now, this might sound a little harsh, but that's stupid. Seriously. I watched over the years musicians go, well, music isn't really in one of them, and it is a gift from God, but... I guess it's not a spiritual gift, so I'm not really a gifted musician. I'm just, I'm an encourager. Agreed. In a very unique, gifted way. My point is simply this. If you have lived under this, I can't find myself according to the different gifts listed in the four passages... That doesn't mean that you're not gifted by God. It means that the lists were never intended to be comprehensive. They were intended to illustrate for us all the different ways that God has made people that if they would use those gifts or this, a natural talent, is that a, is that a gift? Yeah, it's kind of funny. We call it, well, there's gifts and there's natural talents. What's that mean? Natural talent? As if it didn't come from God, we dug it up somewhere? Did natural talents come from God, yes or no? Yes, yes. So a natural talent is a God-given gift. Can it be used for the building up of the body or not be used for the building up of the body? Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where Matt used his God-given gift for not building up the body of Christ. And then he did, and it became a spiritual gift the way we would think of it. You see what I'm saying? So I love when I meet men and women who discover what they're really good at. It's not in the list, but they go, I can use that for building up the body? One of the first times I remember this happening was way back early 2000s. A guy was a computer geek. I don't know what else to say. Just like really good with computers. And he was like, yeah, but I know, so I work in the children's ministry. Nothing wrong with working in the children's ministry. But his gifts were actually with technical. And when he heard that though that's not listed in the text, because why in the world didn't Paul put computer programming in the list? (laughs) Maybe that's not listed in the text, He could use that for the building up of the body of Christ? Yeah. What has God made you good at with your hands, with your mind, with your skills? That's how God has made you for the building up of the body. So there's lots of gifts, but they're not intended to be like these are the only ones. One clarification, as we talk about spiritual gifts, do not confuse them with the fruit of the Spirit. I gave you the four passages where gifts are listed. Do you know the passage where the fruit of the Spirit is? That's Galatians 5. But even in that, there are nine fruit listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Goodness. Are there any other fruit of the Spirit? Compassion? Mm, not in the list. Ah, it is in Colossians 3. See what I'm saying? What's the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is that which is true about God, which is manifested in us as we walk in the Spirit. Did you capture that? 
The fruit of the Spirit is what is true about God that is made manifested in our body as we walk in the Spirit. We are the living expressions of the character of God when we walk in the Spirit. And people go, oh, that's what God's like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. See it? How's that different than the gifts that the Spirit gives us? Very simply. Fruit of the Spirit is about the character of God, and the gifts of spirit, the Spirit are about the work of God. If you can just get that simple distinction there, it'll help you tremendously. Fruit of Spirit, character of God, gifts of the Spirit, the work of God. Listen, we are all to grow in maturity into Every fruit of the Spirit. It's not like, oh, I've got the fruit of patience, or I don't have the fruit of patience. Well, you might not, but that's not because God didn't give it to you. He gave your, the Spirit to you. So we have all that we need to grow in every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, but not all of us are gifted with every gift. See, it's very important that we understand that distinction. Fruit of the Spirit about the character of God the gifts of the Spirit for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So we're all uniquely gifted, and those gifts are given. So each believer can share in the work of building up the body of Christ. You see that? You, uniquely made, so that you... Can, different than me, share in the work of building up the body. That, I hope what you'll take most this morning, and we'll see it again in a few moments, is that this is a privilege. So we get to share in the work of God. This is not like, ah, man, I got to do something. You and I are privileged to be able to be a part of something that is eternal. That's amazing because most of, most of what we do in life doesn't really last. And it's not like it's a waste. It's just part of living life. It just doesn't last. But when we get to use the unique gifts that God has made us, we get to participate in the work of the eternal, the building up of the body of Christ that will live forever. Practically, this sharing in the work of each believer, practically here at the chapel, that means this. Let me just help you see it. On a typical Sunday morning here on campus, uh, this may surprise you, it takes a little over 200 volunteers to do the work of building up the body here as it relates to getting the campus ready, our nursery, our children, our youth, our adult ministry, our worship services, in two locations and online. That's, that, that doesn't talk about Sunday night, what happens here on Tuesday night, what happens here on Wednesday night, what happens here on Thursday night, just on Sunday morning, 200, a little over 200 volunteers. That's sharing in the work. So what, what I ask our staff to do is to take a few seconds and to Name one person that volunteers in their area of ministry and why they appreciate them. And you know what the staff said to me? Oh, don't make me choose one. Because the one who gets named gets encouraged, and those who don't get named are like, oh, why didn't I get named? Now, there's this principle. We do for one what we wish we could do for every one. So we... Ask staff, pick one and just say why. And get a sense of the unique gifts that God has given.
Hi, my name is Jonathan Monk. I'm the high school youth pastor, and one of the volunteers in senior high that I'm really grateful for is Sarah Nieto. Uh, The reason why is that she expresses uh, genuine concern for students and excitement to see students every time uh, they walk into the shop. And she's a model of Philippians, too. Um, She looks out for the interest of others. So we're grateful for you, Sarah. Hi, I'm Tony Anderson, and I serve as the pastor of counseling here at CFC, and I am grateful for Michelle McKee, one of our biblical counselors, who is making a kingdom impact by coming alongside hurting people in our body and helping them solve their problems biblically. For five years, my friend, John Cars, has been making disciples in the CFC middle school ministry. He does it, get this, three times a week, being a leader, making disciples, teaching the Bible, and being incredible, crazy, funny skit guy. Thank you, John. Hey, I'm Matt Collins. I'm the worship pastor here at CFC. I am so grateful for my friend Greg Grubbs. He has been serving in the worship and tech ministries for 19 years now and probably every single position of need. And through his consistency and his preparation and reliability, he has pointed us to Jesus consistently week after week. So, so grateful for you, Greg. All right. Hey. I'm Ryan Toller. I work here at the chapel as the college pastor. And a volunteer I'm really thankful for is actually Emerson Blythe. Uh, He's been uh, with me since day one, and he's not just become a great friend, but also a great partner in ministry. Uh, My old youth pastor used to say that leaders are a a living demonstration of a written explanation. That's exactly what Emerson is. He demonstrates the written explanation of the word as he loves our college students. And specifically, he does that by whatever need is is there in the college ministry, he always is the first to step up and meet that. And so really thankful for him. And our college ministry is better because of him. Hello, I'm Carol Ragland, and I serve in the area of community impact. And I want to say a special thank you to Kathy Bush. Kathy serves as the meals coordinator for Alpha. She has the gift of hospitality, and she's also a really good administrator. So that's a perfect combination for that role. But I'd say most important is she is uh, super at doing whatever is needed to get the job done. She has a real uh, servant heart. So thank you so much, Kathy, for all the work you do for Alpha and other ministries here, too. Thank you. My name is Tamara Dye. I am the Director of Connections here at Christian Family Chapel, and I'm super thankful for Matt Fleming, his faithfulness in serving. He is here rain or shine, hot or cold, every Sunday with a warm smile, letting people know there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We're glad you're here. Chapel, I'm John Harling, pastor of Shepherding here at Christian Family Chapel. Really great for our setup team, guys like Tim Stippler. Uh, guys like Jeff Miles here every morning on Sundays getting us set up, squared up. I just see that servant heart, and I know others see it, and it pushes them to get more folks doing more things to serve around here and help others see Jesus on full display. Grateful for you guys who do it. Always looking for more to serve. Hey, I'm Ben Salzman. I'm the director of technology here, and I am super grateful for one of my volunteers, Sean Dunathan. He serves very faithfully, and um, he impacts the kingdom by producing our live stream so that we can get our service into the hands of people who are unable to attend due to sickness, travel, or many other reasons. Super grateful for you. Hi, my name is Becky Conover. I minister to children here at the chapel. And I am grateful for Deb Clority, who helps in our preschool every single week. Um, She meets so many practical needs. She sees a need and meets a need, whether it be holding a screaming two-year-old, changing a diaper, or stepping into a class that doesn't have a teacher. Um, She goes above and beyond to bless others and to love children. And in turn, she blesses families. She blesses our director. She blesses me. And she serves with joy and excitement. And I just love her. And I'm so grateful for Deb. All right, so did you hear the number of things not listed in the New Testament? I mean, meals coordinator, but you got to love that, right? (laughs) Yes, Uh, I'll never forget when Bill Winton finally realized there are volunteers in youth ministry that don't have to be great with junior hires. But if they can cook a good meal, junior hires love to eat and... There is now the building up of the body of Christ in that regard using that gift. The examples go on and on. I want you 
to have, hopefully this morning, have a fresh joy that God has made you just the way he wanted to and gifted you uniquely. And you may look at some areas of ministry and go, oh, but see, I can't do that. Praise the Lord. There's other people who can. Don't look at what you can't do. Just look at what God made you to do and go, how can I exercise that for the building up of the body of Christ? It is a manner worthy of our calling. I don't want us to lose the big picture. The big picture is who we are, alive from the dead, blessed abundantly, loved perfectly, strengthened supernaturally, made ministers in order to serve the body of Christ. You see, there is, the New Testament describes, not only this idea of saving grace, there is a serving grace. Now, let me make sure we understand saving grace. Saving grace simply means this. God has made you and I to be in relationship with him. But sin, you and I, going our own way, every single one of us, any sense of honesty would declare, we know we've sinned against God. And that sin separated us from the relationship he intended us. And there was no way that you or I could work our way back to God. And so he gave his son without sin to become sin. So watch, so that we might be restored to relationship with God. Not according to our works, not according to what we've done, but what has been done for us. That is called saving grace. It's what took you and I from dead in our sins to alive in Christ. Grace. In the same way, there is serving grace. And so now let me take us back to the passage, section of the passage that I skipped. Watch, serving grace. Started verse seven, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he quotes, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to them. The picture is the return of a triumphal king who has conquered the enemy, and in conquering the enemy, he has brought back with him the captives that that enemy had taken. And when he brings them back, he shares gifts with them, the spoils of victory. That's the quote from Psalms. In case we don't get it, Paul says, parenthesis, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Now that cleared it up, right? No, it doesn't. Thus, in this passage that's very simple, God has gifted you for the building up of the body. We have this parenthesis that makes us scratch our head and we could potentially miss the point. So I hope you got the point. We're going to return to it. Here's the parenthesis. If I can simplify it this way. Is Jesus a conquering king? Yeah. What did he conquer? He conquered sin and death. And so he, he, he who ascended, as we know Jesus did, is the one who descended. Descended where? It says to the lower parts of the earth. Now, uh, there are those who are thinking the lower parts of the earth simply refer to his incarnation, that he descended to earth in order to save. There are those who say, no, the lower parts of the earth is referring to when he died and was buried 
Where was he between the time when he died and the time he was raised from the dead? And the answer they would say is he descended into Sheol, the place of the dead in the Old Testament, and there led captives from Sheol out of captivity based on his now death and resurrection, and he gives gifts. So is the descending to earth or into Sheol? Take your pick. Honestly, I think probably it's Sheol, but I don't know. And so it's a little ironic that he does this parenthesis to clarify, but in the process, there's more like head scratching than, ah. But the big principle is, why does he have the authority to give saving grace? Because he conquered sin and death. And the same authority he has to give saving grace is the authority that he has to give to those who were once dead in their sins gifts to share in his work. So I think though we're confused about the specific of what he might say, or maybe we're not confused, maybe we just come to different conclusions. The point is this. He is the returning king who has the authority to give the gifts that he gives. The gift of salvation and the gifts of the spirit so that you and I, as the captives led free, have the privilege to share in the work. And as he gives the gifts, you get some, you get some, you get some, you get some. None of us get all of them, but all of us get some, at least one. Why? Because we've been made ministers to share in the work of building up the body of Christ. Second, we'll see, we're most fruitful when we serve in ways God has gifted us. Years and years and years ago, I wanted uh, for an object lesson to give everybody a strip of a towel to remind us that we are gifted servants. Some of you may have been around 20 years ago about when we gave out a little strip of a towel and you kept it in your Bible. For years and years I had it in my Bible and then one day it disappeared. I didn't cut all of those towels up into little bookmark strips. Somebody who was a gifted musician graciously served in that way. And I was so grateful And she did a great job. But you know what she was better at? Leading in worship. I love this. I love this right here. Watch. She was willing to meet a need. But whenever possible, she met the need that her gift aligned with for the building up of the body. So do you get both points? We are servants. We don't go, ah, that's not my gift. Preschoolers, not my gift. Because some have went, well, I know that's a need, but that's not my gift. We always start with, what's the need for the building up of the body? Then where there's opportunity, we go, oh, that's how God has made me? That I want to do. Let me show you this from the scripture. In 1 Corinthians 3, let me go back because I don't want you to read it yet. I should have set the context. First Corinthians 3, Paul is in the midst of confronting that there was division in the church because of favoritism. In other words, within that body of believers in Corinth, there were people who had come to Christ because of a particular individual and others had come to Christ because of another individual. And so they all had their kind of favorite pastor. Sound familiar to the church in America? Yeah. And so they're like, no, I'm of this and I'm this and that's my church. and This is my pastor. And Paul goes, okay, we need to stop that junk. Watch what he says. He says, what then is Apollos 
And what is Paul? Servants. We're just servants. Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord, as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, I sowed the seeds, Apollos, he watered, but God was the one causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. What? They're, they're one part of one body, one faith, right? They're one, but they're different. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Corinthians, you're God's field. You're God's field, and we were simply his servants, his co-laborers in the field where some of us did one thing according to the gifts that God's given us and others did other things according to God gift, how God gifted them. But ultimately, it only happened because God made it happen because salvation is by grace and serving is by grace. And you and I, We'll simply go, how has God made me? Grace, what have I made myself good at? How has God made me? By his grace. And I want to serve in that way because I'm most fruitful when I serve the way God made me. The Apostle Paul, if you don't know this about him, he went from city to city to city Proclaiming the gospel. At any point, he could have stopped and said, no, I love these people. I want to stay here and I want to shepherd them. I want to be their pastor. Why didn't he? Because God made him to be what you and I would in our present day call a church planner, an apostle, a beginner of new things. So could have he been a pastor? Sure. Well, how was he most fruitful? The way God had gifted him. And so he would proclaim the gospel, a church would begin, and he would find those whom God had gifted in shepherding and teaching and say, now you take care of this flock, I'm going to go start another one. You see it? It's great worth, friends, in knowing how God has gifted you so you can be most fruitful, not so you don't have to serve. My friend Darcy, in this service, he's back here. He was doing the slides through the music. Don't you appreciate that? Yeah, when they mess up and you're like, where's my words? So very grateful for a guy pushing a key to progress the slides. That's a service. That's not his primary gifting. He leads a young married, newly married group with me. He's a great small group leader. He's a better small group leader than I am. So he serves and he serves in a manner in which God has gifted him. Do you see yourself yet? Or are you, wow, I'm kind of not involved here. Missing what God has called you to be a part of your calling. One other question I regularly get is this. Can I serve outside the body according to my God-given gifts? And absolutely is true. We may serve outside the local body, but not to the neglect of the local body. When I first started attending Christian Family Chapel, I was a Bible teacher here in town at a school. So I taught six classes of Bible every single day. And I believe God had called me and gifted me to be a Bible teacher. So I did that 30 hours a week. When I came to the chapel and they found out, oh, you're a Bible teacher. Why don't you teach on Sunday morning? I was like, ah, I prepare 30 lessons a week. I don't really want to spend... Saturday, preparing another one for Sunday. Do you have another need? And they're like, well, we have coffee. 
You want to clean up the coffee after class? Yes. So where I started serving at Christian Family Chapel in 1987 was washing the coffee pots after class were over. People had gone home and I stayed with the hose and washed out the coffee pots. And I loved that a lot more than preparing a lesson. Now, you're saying, well, I thought you were supposed to use your gifts. I was. But I did not come to the conclusion that because I was using my gift during the week, that therefore I didn't have a role on Sunday or on a Wednesday in this body. Why? Because we're a family. And we can help outside the family, but not to the exclusion of the family. To illustrate, back when my kids were at home, one of their responsibilities was mowing the yard. Praise the Lord. (laughs) They're no longer here. But imagine one Saturday, I walk in and the the yard is not mowed and they're playing video games. And I say, hey, what's up with the yard not mowed? And my negotiator, the oldest, says, well, dad, you know, you've taught us, you know, bless, take care of our neighbors. Our neighbors, we mowed their yard for them. So we mowed our yard today. Now, I don't know if you know me well enough. What would I say to that? Thank you. Now go mow ours. Because does mowing the neighbor's grass, is that good? Yes. But there is a part of being in the family that goes, that's great, but not to the exclusion of here. So if you've ever wrestled with, how do I merge this together? I love the fact that many of us serve at First Coast Women's Services, are downtown helping with the poor and the homeless. That's awesome. But it's never to the neglect of that I am part of a family, a local body here of which I receive the benefit of other people serving. I take my part in sharing with them in serving as well. How has God gifted us uniquely? Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. What's that mean, to the building up of the body of Christ? Well, it means two expressions. There is a building up in greater health. In other words, we'll look at it more fully, what greater health looks like next week, but towards maturity in Christ. And there's the building up of the body for greater growth. In other words, we use this expression, we're instruments of God for more, more people finding more life in Jesus. Because there's growth in two ways in the body. There's more people part of the body and there's more depth, more health in the part of the body. A family grows up and more. You see it? That, that's the building up of the body. You have gifts that either help our body grow up in terms of health, or you have gifts that help our body grow up in terms of growth. Most important, sum it up from the way The Romans 12 passage speaks about gifts. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace, see it's grace. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. We're all different. We're gifted differently. But at core, it comes down to this. You don't get a gift and then put it in the top shelf in the closet. Now, you may have gotten a wedding gift like that. Or you went, can I take this back and get some cash? Maybe I was the only one that ever thought that. Can I kick this back and get some cash? Because I don't really need another serving spoon like that. But a gift is given to be 
exercised. And here's a glimpse of where we are as a church. Only a little more than half are exercising their gifts on the minimum of a monthly basis. Do you hear what I just said? In terms of the whole body here, only a little more than a half are actually serving on at least a monthly basis. The other half are serving at best once or twice a year or not at all. I don't think any of us are confused whether that is what Christ has intended for his church. Is it? No, it's not. It's not. He intends that each have been given the grace of a gift for the serving of the body. So uh, I'm simply asking first, you who are serving, you who are not serving, I want to do this in order, you who are not serving, would you go, I heard the word, my life doesn't, I looked in the mirror and, and I don't line up, I'll start helping. Where, where's the need? If you're like, I, I, I'm not sure where to go, what to do with that, cfcjacks.com backslash serve. There's a bunch of immediate needs right there. And if you don't see yourself in one of those, just leave a message that says, hey, I heard the word and I'm not in line with it. How can I help? Can you do that? Oh, I know you can. Will you? Here would be the beauty of that. If, if some non-servers would start saying, I can serve, then some who are serving could then have the freedom to go, oh, that need is being met. I can now serve the way God made me in my area of gifting for even greater fruitfulness. Anybody too young to serve? No. No. I love the fact that our online audience right now is being served by two high schoolers who are on the cameras. That's awesome. Anybody too old to serve? I've seen some, and I've I've done my time. Like serving is prison. (laughs) I've done my time. It's a grace, not a prison. It's a grace. And COVID's messed us up, folks. I think a year of kind of off track got us out of serving, and, and there's a reluctance to step back in. And uh, I just drove in with great clarity this morning that the First Peter 4 passage says this, let him who speaks speak as it were the very utterances of God. So I had that clear sense. Lord, I believe you've given me a teaching gift, but ultimately people don't need to hear from me this morning because all... If, if you've only heard from me, then it's just kind of like grabbing your arm and putting it up high behind your back until you say, Uncle, I'll serve. But if you'll hear from the Lord, if you'll go, wow, I can't disagree, Doug. It's that clear in the text. And I want to, we declared it in song, I want to walk with Jesus. I'm deciding to walk with Jesus. That means taking a step to move from non-serving to serving. And if you'll do that, we'll be flooded this week with new folks. And that would be to the glory of God.
to the building up of the body, to the good of this community, and to the good of your own faith. Because there is no greater privilege as children of God than to be ones who are co-laborers with him in his field. To be an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. So let me invite you to bow with me. And if you have heard from the Lord, (laughs) whether you're happy about it or not, (laughs) if you have heard from the Lord, and you know there's a step of actional obedience for you to take, I want to invite you to simply say, yes, Lord. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Yes, I'll say, I'm available. Lord, I am, I just want to say I'm so grateful. So grateful for the privilege of not only knowing you by grace, but I'm so grateful for the privilege of being your instrument by grace. I genuinely, Lord, remember with great fondness washing washing coffee pots here. Thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. Thankful to be a part of what you were doing in this place. Lord, I pray that that would be the experience for more and more folks that they would know the joy of being co-laborers with you, that we would be fruitful in every good work to the praise of your glory. We say, Lord, we want to walk with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for being here. If we can pray with you in any particular way, There'll be men and women out my left, your right, around the corner. We kind of had put a pause on that for COVID for a while. Imagine that. There's a pray from a distance. Real live people who could put a hand on you and pray with you this morning if we could serve you in that way. Thanks for being here. God bless.